So Ecclesiastes 11. Send your bread on the surface of the waters, for after many days you may find it. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full, they will pour out rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or the north, the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. One who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Just as you don't know the path of the wind or how bones develop in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you don't know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other, or if both of them will be equally good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. Indeed, if a man lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, and let him remember the days of darkness, since they will be many. All that comes is futile. Rejoice, young man, whether you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth. And walk in the ways of your heart, and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all of these things, God will bring you to judgment. Remove sorrow from your heart, and put away pain from your flesh, because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. So we continue on uh, with chapter 12. So remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come, and the years approach when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun and the light are darkened, and the moon and the stars, and the clouds return after the rain. On the day when the guardians of the house tremble, and the strong men stoop, the women who grind cease because they are few, and the ones who watch through the windows see dimly. The doors of the street are shut, while the sound of the mill fades. When one rises at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song grow faint. Also, they are afraid of heights and dangers on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper loses its spring, and the caperberry has no effect, for man is headed to his eternal home, and mourners will walk around in the street before the silver cord is snapped, and the gold bowl is broken, and the jar is shattered at the spring, and the wheel is broken into the well, and the dust returns to the earth as it once was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Absolute futility, says the teacher. Everything is futile. In addition to the teacher being a wise man, he constantly taught the people knowledge. He weighed, explored, and arranged many proverbs. The teacher sought to find delightful sayings and write words of truth accurately. The sayings of the wise are like goads, and those from masters of collections are like firmly embedded nails. The sayings are given by one shepherd. But beyond these, my son, be warned. There is no end to the making of many books, and much study wearies the body. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is, fear God and keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Well tonight, oh, I'm on. well, tonight we're going to be getting refreshingly real about death. So let's pray and ask for God's help as we do that.
Heavenly Father, Lord, giver of life and death, teach us to number our days aright that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Amen. There are two certainties in life. What are they? Death and taxes. Death and taxes. We seem to live pretty well in light of the reality of tax, don't we? Congratulations to all of you who just finished the last tax year. Been a big week, I imagine. Uh, we, we're reminded of the reality of tax every day. We pay our GST. Uh, every year we need to give an account to the tax man. And we know that there are serious consequences if we don't do business with our tax. But in this youth idolizing and death-denying age that we live in, we seem to get by ignoring death or pretending like it doesn't exist. Uh, We don't see the dying or the elderly that much because they're partitioned off in nursing homes. Uh, We might go to a funeral maybe once or twice a year, but the memory of death is often forgotten and passed by in the the busyness of life. We, uh, we find that even Christians like you and like me, well, we're all pretty scared of speaking about God's judgment. And so no one is really ever that confronted by that reality beyond death either. So we all get on living our lives relevantly, relevant, uh, relatively ignorant of death. Uh, that is until death comes knocking on our door until it rattles its chains and maybe we're confronted by our mortality or by that of someone that we love. And we are utterly flabbergasted. We are hit for six because we seem to think that health, well-being, life is an entitlement. It's a right. And when it's threatened, we're speechless. Well, as we arrive today at the end of our six-week series on Ecclesiastes, we're going to try and get refreshingly real about death. Refreshingly real about death. And the big question driving our passage is, how can the reality of death, our mortality, how can it, rather than make us feel somber and morbid, how can it make us live the most, get the most out of life, make the most of our life? I I really do hope that your experience tonight as we face up to our mortality will be similar to mine as I went to a graveyard earlier this week to prepare for this sermon. I went to St. Thomas's Rest Park in Crow's Nest to think and meditate on my own mortality. And uh, it was a cold and uh, sunny morning uh, and uh, I approached the, uh, the gates of the rest park, preparing myself to face up to death. And as I entered through the gates, what was the first thing that I saw? A mums and bubs exercise group. There were the mums and bubs doing 30 sit-ups, getting up, pushing the pram, rocking the baby, taking a sip of water. And then I looked across and rather than gravestones, they'd all been picked up off the grave sites and put lined up one metre apart. So beautiful stretches and expanses of green grass with sunshine. And on the other side of the park, there's grandmas and children swinging on the swings at the play park. They're looking over these graveyards, having a wonderful time. And so 
eventually I thought, well, I need to sit down and I need to really start thinking about death and mortality. So I sat down at the edge of a little cemetery area and I started reading these passages, Ecclesiastes 11 and 12. And a young two-year-old boy came dawdling along and he was playing the game, which statues can I climb up? He was trying to climb up people's gravestones. So I thought, well, ask his mum and find out why she comes to graveyards. You know, it's got to be a strange place to hang out. The mum says to me, oh, I love graveyards. Oh, they're, they're so brilliant. And they remind me of my mortality and they put all of life in perspective. And I hope that's what tonight does. That's the teacher's intention as we confront death that we might make the most of life. Here's his big idea for us tonight. That is that we are to make the most of life by remembering our maker and our mortality. As we journey through what he's going to teach us, we're going to do it under three headings. Uh, The first one is, since you're going to die, make the most of life. Secondly, we're going to think, since you're going to die, remember your maker. And thirdly, since you're going to die, mature with grace. After that, we're going to just finish by thinking how living this side of Jesus and his life-giving death and his death-defeating resurrection, how that sharpens how we might make the most of our lives. So that's where we're heading. It would be great if you've got Ecclesiastes 11 and 12 open in front of you. It's on page 614. And we'll start with our first point. Since you're going to die, make the most of life. I find it interesting that the teacher faces his mortality and doesn't say make plans. He doesn't say get morbid and feel down, but rather he says make the most of your life. And so let's think about four ways that he tells us that we could make the most of our lives. Take a look with me at eleven, chapter 11, verse 1. Our translation of the Bible here has a really helpful title for this section. It's called it Invest in Life. And that's the teacher's instructions. Send your, bread on the, send your bread on the surface of the waters. Invest in life. Throw your hat in the ring. Give it a shot. Have a go at life. Why? Because as the saying goes, you've got to risk it to get the biscuit. How does he finish? 11, 11.1b, for after many days, you may find it. It may be a worthy investment. Invest in life. He says... Don't wait for the perfect timing. 11.4 The one who watches the wind will not sow, and the one who looks at the clouds will not reap. Because there's just so many things you don't know. There's so many things that you cannot know. And so 11.5, he says, just as you can't know the path of the wind, uh, or you can't know the amazing miracle of how God creates a child inside the womb of a mother, You can't know these things. You can't know all God's work, but you can know the God who works all things. So invest in life. But since there is so much that we can't know, he also says invest broadly and invest generously. Uh, 11.2. Give a portion, he says, to seven or even to eight, for you don't know what disaster may happen on earth. Uh, Be generous, he says, to others. Be generous to others because you don't know what circumstances might happen in your life where you might require the generosity of others as you have been generous to them. 
He also suggests don't put all your eggs in one basket. 11.6. In the morning, sow your seed. At an evening, do not, rest, do not let your hand rest, because you don't know which will succeed, whether one or the other. He also suggests that we should get some vitamin D. 11.7. Light is sweet and it's pleasing for the eyes to see the sun. I might have stretched uh, what he's, the teacher has in mind there, but... If there's anything Ecclesiastes has told us, is that if you see a nice patch of sunshine, get out there and enjoy it and live life. I stopped uh, in the middle of the Harbour Bridge to appreciate a sunset this week. I was on my bike, so it wasn't that bad. But it was a wonderful ecclesiastical moment just to stop and take in God's good gifts to us. His third piece of advice of how we can make the most of life is to enjoy youth and vitality. If you've got it, 11.9, let's read. Rejoice, young man, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth. He says if you can run, run. If you can walk, walk. If you can't do either, do crosswords. Keep yourself involved. Keep yourself engaged. My father is a great example of this. He celebrated his 72nd birthday just on Friday, and he is by choice an actively involved grandparent. And so when my kids go over to his house, there he is down on the floor crawling around on his hands and knees playing Tickle Monster. And my dad is younger in mind and in body and in in his limberness because of his desire to invest in life and engage himself. So if you've got life in you, the teacher says, make the most of it. Make the most of it because of his fourth observation, it won't last. 11.10. Remove sorrow from your heart and put away pain from your flesh because youth and the prime of life are fleeting. If there is one thing that we've learnt from Ecclesiastes is that life is a gift, isn't it? Life is a gift to be received with open hands and thankfulness from a good and loving creator. That's our second point. That brings us to point number two. Since you're going to die, remember your creator. When Ecclesiastes speaks about remembering God, it doesn't ever have in mind that idea that you might forget him, uh, like you might forget where you put your glasses. There's just simply no category for life with or without God because the writer of Ecclesiastes knows that life is always with God, whether you ignore him or not. He is always there, so remembering him is more about mindfulness. It's more about how much you draw God into your life and how you walk with him. So when does the teacher suggest is the time to do the serious business of thinking about walking with God? When's the time to remember your creator? 12 verse 1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of adversity come. I had a friend who... Uh, works in primary school chaplaincy. And uh, he was talking to a chaplain of a, uh, of a retirement village, retirement village chaplain. And the friend in primary school chaplaincy said to the friend in retirement village chaplaincy, oh, I'd love to have your work. Uh, you must see so many people coming to faith as they confront that last final chapter of their life. And the retirement village chaplain responded to the primary school chaplain. Sadly, it's not true. People tend to die the way that they've lived. 
he responded to the primary school chaplain, I wish I had your job. I wish I could be there when young hearts are being shaped. Before life gets hard, before minds get hard, before hearts get hard, that is the time to remember your Creator. It's why kids' ministry and youth ministry is so valuable. And thank you. I'm looking out there. I can see so many people who I saw here this morning who are investing their lives in helping children remember their Creator. There's that uh, sort of well-known stat around that 80% of evangelical Christians become Christian before the age of 18. It, It really is important to help the youth remember their Creator. But you may not be feeling particularly young. Uh, the teacher doesn't, doesn't want to say that you can't go there today. If there is one thing that he's trying to suggest, it's that now is the moment. Today is the day to remember your creator. Don't wait for life to, to finish and then try. Don't wait to, for a deathbed confession. As I say to my friends, you may not die on a bed. Now is the day to remember your creator. Well, how will remembering our maker help us to make the most of our lives? God wants us to pursue our passions and our desires and our dreams. 11.9. Have a look at 11.9. Rejoice, young man, while you are young, and let your heart be glad in the days of your youth, and walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. He says, pursue your dreams, pursue your passions, follow your dreams, but do so mindful of the one to whom you'll give an account. We often think that living in light of God's judgment is kind of like having a scary school teacher watch over you day by day, waiting for you to slip up so he can slap you on the wrist if you do the wrong thing. But the Bible has a completely other picture of living in light of God's judgment. It's one that is liberating and good and freeing because you know that there's a God who everyone will give an account to of everything they do, that there is right and wrong, there is good and evil, and so you can leave behind selfish desires, selfish dreams, proud dreams. You can leave behind sinful passions and you can spend your life pursuing what is right and good God has told you there will be a judgment, so pursue your dreams in light of that. You may be passionate or dreaming about creativity, about community, about health, about engineering, about music, about uh, the environment, whatever it is, pursue your dreams, insert your passion here, but remember that for all these things, you will give an account to your judge. Even though we've been reminded again and again in Ecclesiastes that you can't control life, God wants you to know that whatever you do with your life really matters to him. He really wants you to know that how you live is important. And it's uh, interesting that a book that's been all about the futility of life should end with such a stark reminder of the importance of the little details of your and my life. Have a look at how this book ends in chapter 12, verse 14. A book that has reminded us again that absolute futility, everything is futile. But what does God tell us? 
that God will bring, verse 12, 14, God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. Everything matters to God. Even though we can't know and we can't control what will happen in our lives, what we do with these lives really matters and we will give account. So how should we live? Well, the verse before answers it, 12, 13. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is, Fear God and keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. So, since you're going to die, make the most of your life. Since you're going to die, remember your maker. And our third point, since you're going to die, mature with grace. There is a a war that's being waged in our society at the moment. Uh, a war that we invest millions and millions of dollars in. And it's the battle against age. We're all trying to fight it. There's a cream that can remove wrinkles from every part of our faces. Uh, One of the saddest things that I saw when I first moved to Mossman was the way that people fought so hard against age. You'd see them walking down the street at early in the morning, face full of makeup. We live in a society that idolizes youth and that seeks to deny our death. Uh, that removes the elderly and the dying out of sight and out of mind. So how can we age? How can we die in a way that glorifies God, in a way that shows our watching world that this can be a chapter that is full of peace and dignity? Well, the teacher has two thoughts in mind. The first is be thankful for our well-being. Health, whatever health you have, whatever well-being you are currently enjoying, it is not an entitlement. It is a gift that God has given you. A gift to be received with thanksgiving. Take a look at 11.8. Indeed, if a man lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. My father-in-law is a general surgeon. He deals with lots of breast cancers and bowel cancers. And the shock and horror he receives when he tells people that he cannot fix them. It's heartbreaking because we sense that there is an entitlement to health and to life. It, it is right that we feel robbed by death and shocked by it. But it is not an entitlement. It is a gift from a loving creator. Cultivating a thankful heart for whatever well-being you currently enjoy will be, a great, uh, will be a great safeguard against the many pains, uh, the difficulties and challenges that will come in the time of aging. Have a look at how 11.8 finishes. If a man lives many years, let him rejoice in them all and let him remember the days of darkness since they will be many. His second thought is that we can mature with grace by walking with God. By walking with God through the final chapter of our lives with our hand in God's hand. Chapter 12 verses 1 to 7 is a poem about the experience of that final chapter of our life. Of growing old, of aging and of coming to face our death. 
It's a beautiful image-filled poem. And the purpose of these verses, the purpose of them is not to drive you and I to despair. No, the purpose of them is to do what? 12 verse 1, to drive us to God. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of adversity come, he continues. But not just then. 12.3, remember your creator on the day when guardians of the house tremble, when your strength begins to fail you. Remember your creator, 12 verse 4, when your capacity for industry and contribution are all over. Remember your creator, 12 verse 4, when you wake up at the sound of a bird, but you've got no reason to stay awake. Remember your creator, 12 verse 5, when fears fill your way and the roads that you've always traveled seem harder than before. Remember your creator, when your hair blossoms white like the almond tree. I feel like my almond tree has been blossoming prematurely, but... I'm seeking to remember my creator right now. Remember your creator when the grasshopper loses its spring, when your legs lose their vitality. Remember your creator when the caperberry has no effect on desire, on, uh, on, on hunger and appetite, and also sexual arousal. Remember your creator before you're headed to your eternal home. Remember your creator when the funerals that you've once watched will soon be your own. Remember your Creator, 12.7, when the dust that you came from is the dust that you will return to. And remember your Creator, when the spirit, the breath that God gave you, is the breath that God takes away from you. Remember your Creator. I listened to a radio podcast about different religions and how they approach death. And I was really struck by the comment that a young Catholic girl made. And she said, you know, we always pray for a death that will glorify God. I've never prayed that. What a good thing to pray. That even in our death, we will glorify God. Uh, The believer who accepts their death and remembers God in their death, can die with peace, can die with confidence. They can let go of life because they know that life was a gift to them. They can let go of life because they're clinging on to their creator. And brothers and sisters, those who trust in Jesus, we can die with absolute confidence because we know where we're going and we know the one who will take us there. So this brings us to our final reflection, and that is, since we're going to die, put your trust in Jesus. What difference does it make for us living on this side of the life-giving death of Jesus and the death-defeating resurrection of Jesus? Well, Dr. Megan Best is a uh, palliative care doctor. She's had over 30 years of experience working in palliative care. And she's a member of our 945 congregation. When Megan was working as a junior palliative care doctor in her early 20s, there was a period of two weeks. And over those two weeks, Megan had to tell six women her age that they would be dead within a year. 
as Megan came face to face with the reality of mortality, she was forced at this time to ask big questions, to find answers, to find what life was all about. And so Megan went looking for answers, and not only did she find answers, she found a person. She found the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, friends, when it comes to death, there is only one person who has real answers. There is only one person who has faced the grave, been through the grave, come back from the grave, and told us what will happen. And it's Jesus Christ. Friends, since you're going to die, put your trust in Jesus. Meg went looking for answers, and these were the answers she found. She found that Jesus is the judge. Take a look at this verse from Acts chapter 17, verse 31. God has said this. God has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man, that is Jesus, that he has appointed. Friends, you can know the judge. And you can know the judge who has already passed a verdict on those who trust in him. Because when Jesus died the death that you and I deserved on the cross in our place, the verdict of God was passed on those who trust him, on our lives. The verdict was, he will take our guilt and we will take his innocence. You can know your judge and you can know that the verdict is passed. Jesus defeated death. Take a look at this verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Friends, when Jesus died the death that we deserve to give us life, when he rose from the dead and conquered the grave to give us eternal life, he defeated death and death lost its sting. Yes, it still hurts. Yes, it's still difficult. But the sting is gone and its victory is gone. You can face your death with confidence in Jesus. And Jesus also showed us how to really make the most of life. Because... Jesus, by his resurrection, he overcame all the futility and confusion of our world. The writer, uh, the, the teacher in Ecclesiastes has reminded us again and again that you can't know, you don't know what's going to happen. You can't grasp hold of life. You can't be sure that what you do will really pay off. You can't know for certain. But when Jesus came back from the grave, you can know for certain. You can know that there is one thing that you can do And it will not be futile. It will never be in vain. Have a look at what it is. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Give yourself to the Lord's work. Make the most of your life by giving yourself to the labor of the Lord. Sure, we don't know which things will pay off. So run an Alpha course. Run a Christianity Explored course. Run a Simply Christianity Explored course. Give yourself to God's work. Throw yourself at it because it will never, ever be in vain. And so we've arrived at the end of our journey through the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been reminded again and again that life is not for clinging onto. Life is not for controlling. Life is not ours to grasp, but life is a gift, a gift to be received 
with open and thankful hands. Life is to be lived remembering your Creator and drawing God into all of life. And so we're going to finish our time by giving each of us an opportunity to draw God in. Many of us have done this before. For some, it will be the first time that you need to remember your Creator to do business with your Maker. We're going to pray a very simple prayer, a sorry, thank you, please prayer. We're going to pray sorry that we have chased after the wind, that we have sought to grasp life when we should have been holding on to you, God. We're going to pray thank you, thank you that you have taught us how to make the most of life and given us life by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we're going to pray, please God, please help me to make the most of this life, to live from this day forward with Jesus as my Saviour and my Lord. We're going to pray that prayer now. So I'm going to invite you to still yourself before your Maker, and let's come before Him in prayer. Heavenly Father, I am sorry for chasing after the wind when I should have been holding fast to you. I am sorry for my sin and I repent. Thank you. Thank you, Father, that you have shown me how to make the most of life. Thank you that you have given me life as Jesus died in my place, the death that I deserved. Please, please help me to make the most of my life by remembering you and living this day forward with Jesus as my Saviour and my Lord. Amen.